All right, so as I suspected, we uh, did learn more after I left my show yesterday about the identity of that 29-year-old shooter that took the lives of uh, two people on the Danforth. There are six people still in critical condition uh, fighting for their lives right now in Toronto hospitals. His name was Faziel Hassan, and uh, he was from Toronto, and his parents uh, put out a statement saying that he suffered mental health challenges and uh, there is, you know, you may have seen on um, being shared on social media or attached to some news sites, uh, a few seconds of video um, during the shooting showing him in a dark hat with dark clothing, carrying a shoulder bag and then pointing his firearm in the direction of a building. And so uh, people have speculated and, and looked at some of the uh, footage and tried to analyze, uh, you know, whether or not. Uh, he knew what he was doing. We're joined by uh, Nick Leboutillier, who is an experienced close protection operator with the Canadian Armed Forces. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Um, I want to just play some uh, audio from yesterday. We had a security expert on it by the name of Ross McLean. Here's what he had to say about after viewing the video, and this was his opinion. Have a listen. What that implies to me is certainly planning, premeditation, the clothing, the bag. It would have been someone who would have had to obtain a handgun. They would have had to likely obtain multiple magazines. They would have likely have done some training in terms of shooting and in terms of being able to reload under the stressful situations like that. All right. So you heard uh, you heard our uh, security expert, Ross McLean, talking about uh, what he saw in the video. Now, you're an expert. Give us your background on, on uh, your expertise with regard to firearm. Well, my background, uh, I was deployed to Afghanistan with the military police, and we mentored the Afghan National Police in firearms and tactical medicine. And then after that, I did the close protection course where we had extensive and uh, heavily critiqued firearms training as well as the bodyguard training. And then I deployed right after that as a bodyguard uh, to Afghanistan. So you saw the video just like everyone else has. And what did you uh, surmise from the video? Did it look like uh, Fazal Hussein had been trained? I wouldn't say he's been trained. He's definitely practiced uh, by himself, more than likely. Um, you can practice with anything, whether it be a water bottle, anything you get in your hands to practice the movements you can see online, whether it be YouTube videos or anything really that's out there shows instruction. It might not be proper or done by professionals, but he definitely did his homework and uh, at least tried learning how to manipulate the weapon. But as far as formal training, it looks like he has none. Okay, and wh- why do you say it looks like he has none? Uh, maybe break it down a little bit. Absolutely. Well, any formal training, especially for our back, what my background is, uh, we, everything we do is under stress and we have to operate the same way all the time. He obviously had uh, some cognitive impairments because of the adrenaline coursing through his body. So just from the way he presented the weapon to his stance shows that he wasn't really trained in how to do it properly. Okay. Can you get a little more specific? Like if you were trained in how to do it properly, where would the difference lie on the way you held the gun and such? Well, the way he presented the weapon, uh, he came uh, basically down and up. We call that like a bowling motion. Uh, Any really trained professional would have brought it closer to their chest, and we call it punching out directly on target to be uh, more accurate and effective more quickly. Uh, Also, his body would have been square to the potential target that he was aiming at. Uh, What he did was he he snapped his head, so he obviously saw a target of opportunity, lifted the gun in a poor fashion. And it's hard to tell on the video how he held the weapon, but it looks like he's cupping, but I can't guarantee the... uh, is a proper grip or not and he was shooting on one foot typically 
we like to shoot with a stable platform that would not indicate a stable platform. Therefore, he didn't have the training or at least formal training to uh, correct all these measures. And apparently that, you know, the speed of the shooting, because he wasn't trained, I mean, that it could have the carnage could have been greater because his speed would not be, um, you know, as as uh for lack of a better use of uh, finding a better use of a word, it wouldn't be as uh, as uh, fast as it would be with one of you guys. That's very true. Uh, we you know we practice proper sight alignment so we can engage our targets more quickly and efficiently. Uh, he didn't have that, therefore it took him time to get back on target with the pistol to engage. Luckily, there wasn't more damage than there there was. Yeah, I mean, it's a tragic story. You know, there, yeah, I'm hearing this interview and thinking, okay, well, why do we need to know this stuff? I think it's important to kind of point these things out because there's a lot of speculation going on right now about where, how, when, why would he do what he did. If you were going to a gun range, would they teach you these things? Um, can we surmise that he didn't spend any time at a gun range? Uh, at a gun range, I mean, a lot of the gun ranges, you have to have a, a, restra- or a firearms license to even be there. Um, so they might not show you, you know, the stance and everything, but they might give you a few pointers so you can be a bit more effective. But anytime you want something more uh, specialized or one-on-one, you end up having to pay for it. Mm. So um, he may have gone to a gun range. I don't know if, you know, if he has a restricted firearms license mm. or not. He may have gone, but definitely uh, he hasn't, you know, received anything that allowed him to be critiqued and evaluated to the point where he became more efficient, especially under stress as well. When you talk to talk about that uh, stress, you know, I was reading an article done by Global News and, it, and they talked to uh, a number of you guys that are experts in, in firearms and have worked in the military before. Um, they said that judging by what they saw in the video and um, how he uh, went down Danforth, that odds are that he knew that he wasn't coming out of this alive. Uh, definitely. Uh, his, uh, we say he had a cognitive impairment, so his zigzagging across and forth was, you know, I think he was, he saw a target of opportunity, but then he saw a bigger one, so he ran that way. Um, and when you're engaging that long and you're trying to inflict as much damage as possible, he more than likely knew that the police were going to arrive as quick as they could and they were going to effectively neutralize him. When you have, when you, you were talking about the stance that he was using and the facts that you could practice this with a water bottle... Uh, you know, at home just watching YouTube videos. I mean, how worrying is that for the average citizen? Uh, extremely. I mean, that's not to say that nobody can, nobody should or not or should not practice, but you can do anything with, you know, you put a stapler in your hands or anything that can resemble a weapon and you can practice and practice just so you can kind of get the manipulation fundamentals down. But things change when it becomes a reality and there's, you know, your adrenaline's running and there's stress involved. But if you practice enough that um, you can get the basics down, you'll still be able to do it. We say, you know, when it, whenever a stressful situation happens, you, you fall back to the level of your training. So even though the training, his training wasn't formal, but he may have practiced, he still had some sort of competency to manipulate that weapon. So it is scary uh, knowing that, but mm-hmm. it is a, poss- a large possibility. I don't want to sound like a pearl clutcher here. But, you know, when you talk about the, you know, fall back on your level of practice, there's a lot of guys that, you know, spend a ton of time in front of uh, video games. And some of those video games include, you know, things that look like an actual weapon that you point and shoot. Um, Is that at all worrying? I I don't think so, because uh, the fundamentals of the the drills, as we call it, of manipulating the weapon is not very uh, seen in those games based on my experience of playing video games. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're uh, saying the, that's not going to, I mean, because you're most of the time you're s- sitting down, 
it's not very interactive for you. You're pushing a button, and then the, right. whoever in the game does the actions, you don't really get to see how it's done, and then, therefore, you don't get to actually do it. But it could possibly be a, uh, a motivator for people to learn more because they want to see how it is done, and then however, whatever they do after that is up to them, right? Another uh, expert pointed out, and it may have been you, the fact that he was walking down the street with a uh, shoulder bag, that's not something that somebody that uh, was trained in, in operating any kind of uh, firearm would be using. Ideally not. Typically we train, uh, we want a, as stable as a shooting platform as possible. Now that's not always going to happen, so we learn to shoot in adverse situations. For him, I think he was more trying to blend in in the environment and having a shoulder bag. Um, anybody who, you know, with training that wants to be as effective as possible would have probably had a backpack or nothing at all, uh, given that it's a pistol he was carrying, so it's easy to conceal. You know, I, I guess is one of the takeaways from this, you know, with a snippet of video, I mean, we should kind of uh, reserve our judgment, you know, for a few days until we get get all the information. Because, you know, there were people jumping in conclusions based on his stance in that video very quickly that this guy had possible training, uh, you know, because we had no idea who he was yesterday until the SIU released his name. We just knew he was a 29-year-old. I mean, it would lead one to jump to conclusions, right? Definitely. I can see why people might jump to conclusions, but... The more informed you are listening to experts or even you know, receiving training or going out and watching it done, you could probably deduce that, okay, this guy was not trained. He may have been an enthusiast or some sort of uh, you know, someone involved in this, so he has a bit of uh, experience handling a weapon, but in no way was he trained. So I just think education is the biggest part for people to take away and um, reserve judgment until they hear more information. Well, that's why we have your number. We're going to put it on our Rolodex, Nick. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon. I appreciate you joining us. You as well. Thank you so much, Kelly. Cheers. That's Nick Laboutier, and he's an experienced close protection officer. He's been working in the military with firearms for a long time.